Chapter Twenty of An Unwilling Guest by Grace Livingston Hill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Twenty. Bert Judkins makes a call. It was late in the autumn before Mister Worthington ventured to call again upon Miss Rutherford. In the meantime, he cultivated Miss Bashford. Evelyn had introduced him to Jane. Jane approved of her friend's admiration of him during the first of their acquaintance. She managed to help it along by invitations, and in one way and another. Evelyn had often met him at her friend's home. Jane rather enjoyed inviting anyone who was tabooed by the exclusive people. She liked a little dash of spice in her life. The two girls had decided at the outset that there was no real harm in a young man just because he had been wild. Just what the terms wild and fast conveyed to these two is somewhat uncertain. They had been quite young, and enjoyed the company of one who was master of the delicate art of flattery, and they had come to think him unusually brilliant and wealthy. As a matter of fact, he scarcely owned the clothes on his back, and lived from day to day by gambling. To Evelyn, who was two years the senior of Jane, this was all in the past. If she had been confronted at this juncture with the things she had said and thought about this young man less than a year ago, she would have said, How could I? But Jane was still living under the same illusions, and now that Evelyn had somewhat withdrawn, she was having a great deal more of that young man's society than was good for her. Evelyn Rutherford felt as though she had passed through years of experience during the last few months. She seemed to be another person. She had seen very little of Jane lately, and had almost forgotten their common interests in the absorption of her own sorrow. She had spent the summer months in travel with her brother, but had come home feeling like the preacher of old, that all was vanity and vexation of spirit. But Mr. Harold Worthington was not one to easily give up a prize he had come to consider his own. There was something the matter, evidently. He did not understand it. Therefore he went to Miss Rutherford's friend, with whom he had whiled away the time in a mild flirtation. She surely would understand. He told Jane that Miss Rutherford was offended about something, and asked her intercession and advice. Jane gladly undertook the office of peacemaker. There were some private theatricals for a charity in process of development. Miss Rutherford had been assigned a prominent part, and had declined to take it, or, in fact, to have anything to do with the affair. They would go and argue the matter out with her. Jane had heard some remarks about ability, which she felt sure would touch her friend's vanity. She thought she knew how to reach her, and bring her to reason. They would go that very evening. It suited Jane very well to carry out any scheme of Mr. Worthington's, she was not so sure she cared to have Evelyn change her attitude altogether, but it was pleasant at least to be made a confidant. So they went. Jane was wily enough to send her own card to Evelyn, and to tell John she wished to see her but a few minutes, in case John or the maid mentioned the presence of her companion. Evelyn would suppose she had stopped on her way to some other place. Evelyn sighed as she received the card. She felt almost like declining to see any one that night. If it had been any one but Jane, she thought she would have done so. 
but Jane was so old a friend. However, she did not feel at all in the mood for Jane's light chatter, and wondered how she ever cared for it, how little she would care to confide in this girl all that was now in her heart. Over and over again she had turned the last few words Dr. Gray had spoken to her, as one will turn the last sentence of the dear dead over and over until every word becomes a precious dagger with which to stab the heart that loves and until every wish the words convey becomes a treasured command to be obeyed at all costs she knew that the man who had gone out from her life probably wanted for her above all things that she should belong to jesus christ in some peculiar sense which she did not understand that he wanted this for her was not enough she wished it for herself it was with her as it is with one who grows to love the lord jesus with all his heart whatever the christ would have him do that is joy indeed and so through this sad love of hers the answer to her prayer had come and she was willing to be made christ's the young missionary starting out to foreign lands in the service of his master knew not that he was leaving behind one whom he might have helped to the light who was almost as ignorant of the way to find christ as if she had been born in china and who would have to grope along in the darkness and stumble many times ere she at last reached the foot of the cross but he did not dream of this such ignorance in our dear civilized land is hard to be understood by those who have grown accustomed to think that everybody who is civilized is not a heathen and so evelyn braced herself for going down to her friend expecting to be bored with gossip of their petty world which had come to seem to her so small and insignificant strange how one can change in less than a year and not know it she felt indignant at jane as well as at mr worthington for the intrusion she knew that he understood her last dismissal and he had no right to force himself into her privacy in this way she barely greeted him civilly and was not herself even to jane this action on her part was calculated to make jane more of a partisan for mr worthington than ever and she warmed up to her subject and made a most winning little speech in behalf of the theatricals telling how disappointed mr worthington was that she would not act as he was to have had a part near to her and did not like the proposed substitute but to all of this eloquent appeal evelyn merely answered i really cannot do it jane i don't feel in the least like it and i don't care for some of the participants i have not been feeling well you must excuse me but said jane nothing daunted it will do you good and get you out of yourself i heard you were moping you'll have nervous prostration if you keep on it's just the dull weather that ails you come you simply must this will probably be one of the best things of the season it is early i know but we are counting on enough being in town to make it a success the bartleys are coming up from the country early and so are the lexingtons just especially for this performance then evelyn heard the opening of the outer door and a strident voice that somehow was familiar and awakened memories which set her heart beating faster she knew not why inquired does miss rutherford live here perhaps even the loud voice would not have been heard so clearly had not evelyn's ears been quickened by a desire to have some interruption to this conversation 
which merely wearied her she could not place it instantly but it somehow spoke to her of freedom and interest and things in her life which awakened the sense of pleasure there seemed to be a quiet parley between the stately john and the caller whose voice perhaps held a dash of impudence in the tone and then the dignified butler with a deprecating air appeared at the door miss rutherford he began in a distressed tone there's a young uh, person at the door who insists just tell any one she's very much engaged john she can't possibly be spared now i have come to see her on very important business broke in jane impatiently with an apologetic laugh perhaps your business is just as important as mine but i'll bet a two-dollar dog you ain't come so far to transact it broke in the strident voice with the impudence strongly marked from behind john's liveried shoulder how'd you do miss rutherford i told this gentleman here you'd want to see me but he didn't seem to recognize his friends this with a wink at the much scandalized john a mighty hard time i've had to find your place but i got here i did didn't i say i would there had been no time for any one to speak but evelyn had arisen and come forward with her hand outstretched exclaiming why bert where did you come from oh i just dropped down went on the irrepressible youth sliding into a small gilt chair covered in pale pink satin and tilting it back on its hind legs then he suddenly rose and clapped his hands to either overcoat pocket oh here got something for you he threw down on a small flower stand a large bunch of sweet english violets and tossed a box of bonbons beside them sweets to the sweet as the saying is he went on and here handing her a crumpled envelope here's her letter evelyn took the envelope eagerly but just at this point mr worthington decided it was time for him to act miss rutherford he said with his most superior and english manner and abhorrence in every feature would you like this person removed then suddenly evelyn remembered that what she had once dreaded had come to pass two at least of her new york friends had heard bert judkins talk to her she realized at once that she did not care now and wondered why it was she felt an irrepressible desire to laugh and another almost as sudden and astonishing desire to tell the whole thing to dr gray how was it she felt so sure that dr gray would enjoy an account of the scene it took no time for all this to flash through her mind she did not give way to any of her feelings but was studying the address on her letter with a perfectly collected manner while with much the same assurance the irrepressible bert was studying his opponent he had not seemed to see him before and he felt sure he could look him out of countenance but he preferred to take neutral ground till he saw how the land lay his glance was somewhat disconcerting to the city young man however evelyn did not seem to notice him at all she looked at jane with a pleasant smile quite as if she were doing an accustomed thing and said jane dear please excuse me a moment i must see what this message this letter has from hillcroft bert will you come up to the library with me my brother is there and he wants very much to know you she led the way and bert followed having first turned on his heel toward mr worthington with a smile accompanied by a very amusing grimace bye-bye 
he said, blowing an imaginary kiss, and disappeared up the stairs, three steps at a time, and then had to wait for Evelyn to mount the last one. It may be that Miss Rutherford would have severely deprecated this action on the part of Bert had she seen it. He took good care that she should not, but she was in a state of mind to sympathize with him in spite of his manners. She was glad to find that her brother was in the library. Richard, she said, this is Bert Judkins of Hillcroft. You remember him, do you not? I want you to entertain him till I get rid of some callers. She waited a moment to glance over the note from Allison, and then seeing that it was of a nature that made her heart throb with longing, she put it back in the envelope for further perusal when she should be alone. She came back to the drawing-room as coolly as if nothing had happened, and said as she took her seat once more, He is an odd boy, a protege of a friend of mine in Hillcroft, where I visited this fall. He is quite a musical genius in his way. I think he is a rude, bad boy, said Jane crossly, for her companion was in a hopelessly bad humor. I think he ought to be arrested. He really does not mean to be rude. It is just his way, laughed Evelyn, and then she was dignity itself, and no one cared to say any more about the matter. The callers did not stay long. They saw that it was of no use. Evelyn would not take part in the theatricals, and she would not talk about them. The topics she continually started were not in their line, and so it came about that the hostess was soon free to go upstairs, giving strict command to John that she should not be called down to see anyone else that evening. As she entered the library, her brother was laughing loud and long, with his head thrown back against the big leather chair. Bert sat in another chair, which he occupied, with every bit the air of ownership the other gentleman wore topped off by a well-pleased smile at himself for the impression he was making he had but that moment completed a detailed account of the encounter downstairs with the anticlimax which evelyn had not seen it must be confessed that mr richard rutherford enjoyed it if bert judkins teacher had been present she would have been tried in her soul that he should show no better breeding than this allison was trying to elevate bert in manners as well as morals but she found it still harder to do. It became necessary to almost send the guest home when a reasonable hour had arrived, as he was not yet proficient in the art of early leave-taking, but Evelyn could see that her brother had enjoyed hearing his talk. It was something new and fresh to him, and Bert's ideas were sometimes quite original. "'Now look here,' said Mr. Rutherford, as the guest at last got as far as the hall door toward departure. You want to have a good time while you're in New York. I suppose you'll go sightseeing all day. You bet, said Bert. Got a list as long as from here to China of things I must see and places I must go. She made it out. Mr. Rutherford had been fumbling in his pocketbook. He brought out two tickets. Here, take these theater tickets, he said graciously. You'll find someone else to go along, I dare say, and I shall not be using them, as I have another engagement. It's a good play. Bert took the tickets and studied them carefully a moment, and then handed them back. Much obliged, he said, in a matter-of-fact tone, but I don't want em. The donor was a little taken aback at this lack of gratitude, and said stiffly, You don't care for the theatre, then? Who said I didn't, was the belligerent response. 
I used to go every night I got a chance when I was back in Chicago. No, but she don't like em, and I promised her for I come that I wouldn't go near one of em. When I make a promise to a lady, I generally like to keep it, you know. Indeed, said the astonished young man. And who is the lady to whom you have made such an extraordinary promise, may I ask? Why, don't you know her? Miss Gray, Miss Allison Gray, she's my Sunday school teacher. You don't say so, ejaculated Richard Rutherford, still bewildered, and then he bethought himself of another ticket, which he searched for and brought to light. Let me see, didn't I hear that you were fond of music, and somewhat of a musician yourself? I rather guess you did, said the boy, with no apparent embarrassment. Well, here is a ticket to one of the Thomas concerts. It's the great Thomas Orchestra, you know, as fine music as you can find in the world. With shining eyes, Birch clutched the ticket. Now you're shoutin', he said, tossing his hat into the air and catching it to express himself more fully. Gee whiz, won't I tell him about that when I get home, though? Bert came again just before he left New York. He had enjoyed his stay immensely. He gave a few characteristic descriptions to Evelyn of the things he had seen. Suddenly he turned to her and said, Say, who was that sucker you had here the other night? Sucker, said Evelyn. What in the world do you mean, Bert? You seem to have a great many new words in your vocabulary. I wonder Miss Gray doesn't put a stop to your slang. Hm, said Bert, twirling his hat thoughtfully. Well, she does try pretty often, but it ain't much use. It kind of comes natural, you see. Why, I mean that cad who undertook to run me out the other evening. He ain't a particular friend of yours, is he? Cause I saw him last night down on the Bowery drunk as a fish. He ain't your kind. You better keep him out of here. Evelyn's cheeks grew hot in spite of herself. She did not like to think of her past friendly relations with the man in question, but she assured Bert he was no friend of hers now. Well, I'm mighty glad, he said with a relieved sigh. And say, I got something else to tell you before I go. About that partnership of ours. You said I was to tell you when I was ready to make it a go, and I've about made up my mind I'll try it if you'll say the word. I'd like mighty well to tell Miss Allison you were coming too. It would sort of make up for me being so long about it if I brung you along. How strangely were the different influences of her life closing around her, even this one which she had not counted an influence at all, this boy whom she had essayed to help, and was he perhaps to help her instead? She looked at him thoughtfully, and then gave him a bright smile and said, I'll do my best, Bert. It's a go, then, said Bert solemnly, taking her hand in good-bye as if he were registering a vow, and perhaps he was. End of chapter 20